All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infinite Boost Podcast. I am joined today by the a name like Visionary One. I want to put the Visionary. I feel like there should be a the there, but when you put the the in front of it, it makes it so much more grand than just Visionary One. I, I don't disagree with you there, to be honest with you. The Visionary One. It makes it seem like I have some clout. You know what I mean? <laughs> It, it makes it a lot more serious, like you're starting a cult instead of just, you know, being a Rocket League pod or not podcast. I'm the podcaster. You're the shoutcaster. So visionary. Where did where did the name visionary one come from? Origin uh, story. So I'm old, right? So we went back. Uh, you have to go back all the way to the OG Xbox days. Uh, me and my buddy played in a Counter-Strike and a Halo clan together, and his name was Visionary 9. And at the time, my baseball number was 1. So I just naturally chose Visionary 1. And I have had that gamer tag now for, I want to say, 18 years almost. So it's been quite a while. And I just figured, hey, it wasn't like completely adolescent, so might as well keep it. And... And so it it wasn't really purposeful to be a visionary one. It was more just a convenience of his name was visionary and your number was one. Yeah, I mean, he was visionary nine and that's just how we did it. So, I mean, that's how we came to it. But yeah, we played a ton of Halo 2 on Xbox Live, a ton of CS 1.6 on Xbox. If you go all the way back there, there was actually a port for it. Now, don't get me wrong. The game was terrible. Like trying to play Counter-Strike on a controller <laughs> is just miserable. I don't suggest the experience, but it's all we had back then. So you got to well, do what you can do. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just gonna stick with vision, and it might get even shorter as we go. Uh, but the reason I I DM'd you, uh, and I'm sure a lot of hopefully a lot of people saw this. At least at least a thousand people saw it. A little bit more because uh, over the weekend you tweeted at Daz about getting onto the Rocket League event that he just announced with your part with your shoutcasting partner. You said how many likes to get a series or I don't I don't know how much you guys are going to be doing, but at least a series on on that event. And he said you needed to get a thousand likes. Uh, and I saw that tweet and I decided to retweet it and you got there and that's awesome. And I thought, well Let's, you know, celebrate something really cool happening. And I, I'm always looking for, you know, new people. And when I see something like that, it really sticks out to me. So I thought I'd see if you wouldn't mind coming to join me on the show. And here you are. Yeah, I mean, it, I first of all, thank you so much for having me. That's like the biggest thing. I'm super excited to be here. Like I said, I've listened to the podcast before. So being on here is pretty huge. But it's not just a celebration of myself and my co-caster trip. And it's actually a celebration of the Rocket League community as a whole. Just coming together and actually trying to promote, you know, boomers like myself and Trippin. I'm 29 years old. Trippin's 32. So this whole thing, this whole tweet just started out with like a meme. I just sent some like, hey, is it time to send a how many like tweets? Like how many, how cringe would it be to send a how many likes tweet? Knowing that like Daz is like 22. Trippin myself, you know, push. I'm pushing 30. Trippin's already 30. We missed the days of MySpace when, you know, social media was so much more simple and you got into fights over your top eight and tried to, instead of trying to get impressions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's just it's funny because it literally started as a joke. And I was like, well, you know what? You Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott at it. Just, you know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. And mm -hmm. Trippin and I have been grinding for a while um, 
doing a whole bunch of casting together. I've literally, I want to say I've casted like three or four other people on actual like paid broadcasting gigs um, that aren't him. So like we have a real good rapport together. Everything that I do, I want to bring him along. So it was just one of those things. It, it wasn't just about me. It was about getting, you know, the duo up there and trying to trying to kind of make a name for ourselves. And honestly, with I think it was like 56,000 impressions on Twitter and a thousand likes from the community and, you know, 23 hours. I think we might have done it a little bit for two clueless boomers who don't know how to use social media almost at all. It worked out pretty well. Yeah, well, hopefully you know Rocket League a little bit better than you're talking up your social media skills. I would argue I do, but okay. you know, there's there's always somebody that will tell you you're bad, right? Like if you've well, been, like yeah. ranked once in your life, they'll tell you, "Do you have thumbs?" I mean, so most <laughs> it depends most of, on who you ask, Tom. Most of the pros will tell themselves that they're bad or or each other that they're bad. So, if they're bad, I don't even want to get into what we are. But speaking of how bad we are, how how long have you been playing Rocket League? What's what's your Rocket League history like? Uh, I've been playing since 2016. So my Rocket League history starts out, my little brother was like, hey, we're 10 and a half years apart. So he was like 14 at the time. I was like 24, whatever. And he's like, hey, I've been playing this game on PC. It's super cool. I think you'd like it. It's called Rocket League. He's like, it's soccer with cars. And like me being a former baseball player, like I hate the idea of soccer. Like I'm of the belief that you can only like one boring sport. You're a true American. And it's either like almost nobody that I've met my entire life is like baseball and soccer simultaneously. It's just one of those (laughs) things where like anecdotal evidence lined up just well enough. And I'm like, yeah, you can only like one boring sport. Like if you like baseball, you probably don't like watching soccer. And um, so I kind of brush it off to the side. And then um, I met a couple of friends through Rainbow Six Siege and we would always queue together. We were like gold plat on Xbox. We'd been playing together since the beta of Siege. And those games last like 50 minutes and, you know, you lose a nail biter in overtime and you're just tilted off the face of the planet. It's like, you know what, let's just pick up Rocket League. So I started playing with them a little bit. I really started enjoying the game. Like once I actually dove into it and gave it a chance, I was like, this game is actually something. And it's amazing because like as a former baseball player, I'd always wanted that competitive outlet. But the thing that I always struggled with with some games is like the animations and stuff like in Madden or FIFA or anything along those lines. You know, it's simulation based. And it's all animation based. So like you can you can press the triangle button and then they roll run a random number generator. And it's like, oh, he caught it this time. That's cool. Versus Rocket League. It's like literally you controlling your car. And that just kind of really drew me in. The fact that a game could be so mechanical and so competitive, yet only last five minutes at a time. Like the feedback loop and the dopamine loop is insane. And I just mm-hmm. got hooked. That sounds that sounds very standard for the Rocket League story. I I use that comparison to madden and like nba live nba 2k all the time it's just so different for a sports simulation game the comparison in between madden and rocket league so where where are you now skill wise rank wise with rocket league uh i was a peak 1600 gc in season 14 which is like the second most memed upon season of all time and then i was terrible in seasons one and two of free to play i was around champ two uh, got Grand Champ back last season, and I'm low Grand Champ now. So we're still we're still out there. We're still holding on to GC, but my uh, my boomer 29 year old thumbs don't improve as much as these 15 year old kids that are picking up the game. So uh, I try how, to be smarter than people and not try to out out mechanic them because how, it just doesn't work. <laughs> how much do you practice? Like, how much time do you spend working on stuff now with where you're at in the game? 
if I'm going to be completely honest with you, when I log on now, it's just to hang out and vibe with friends. Like, I don't have that thinking that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be SSL. I'm going to be one of the greats. It just kind of is what it is for me now. So I really haven't been grinding my mechanics as much. Um, I play in the Rocket Soccer Confederation, and I've done that for like seven okay. seasons now. And that's really what kind of spurred my bro- growth from that low champ kind of Diamond 3 all the way up to Grand Champ. Mm-hmm. And so playing in those competitive 3v3 environments, it made me really, really want to grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm a full-time accountant. I'm in grad school. I do I do about 100 hours of streaming on Twitch a month. So there's just like no time anymore. So whenever whenever I'm logging on to Rocket League, it's logging into play, not logging into grind mechanics, unfortunately. Um, I think the next step for me, because I am taking that RSC season off, is to just get an Epic account and just force myself to learn air roll right or left, just whichever one's more comfortable, mm-hmm. uh, just to start getting those kind of fine air mechanics down because it's something i solely lack and every single season gt takes a step up mechanics wise like you have diamonds flip resetting all over the place now where i can hardly hit one um so it's about kind of incorporating that flashy stuff into an already kind of solid base of you know my mechanics Mm -hmm. that i have now so okay so air roll right air roll left is something that you feel like you would work on so let me ask you this. Would that be more for the quote unquote, sorry, speaking of mechanics that I need to work on, I, I get to work on not saying quote unquote, and I will say it publicly right here that <laughs> that is something that I get to work on. And I'm sure as a caster, that's something that you can appreciate hearing yourself say something over and over, but that's not what this crutch words are the worst. If we want to get into the analysis of casting instead of rock, no, League, no, I can no. tell you the crutch words are awful. Not in the slightest. So are you getting into arrow left, arrow right, because you want to be, as I call it, a spinny boy as you're playing? Or is it more for your getting back in the game quicker? And I can't think of the word when you're trying to adjust yourself to like get on the wall right or get back down to the ground more comfortably and faster. Or is it just because you want to up the flash of your game it's it for me it has actually nothing to do with flash i don't really want to be a spinny boy i just want to be able to improve my air control and i think constantly spinning and having those wheels churning in your head whenever you are holding down that left air roll left or air roll right it just makes you a little bit more precise with your touches when you after you learn it of course when you start it's a mess Yeah, But for me, it's nothing about Flash. It's nothing about that. I just honestly, at Grand Champ, I feel like my mechanics are starting to fall behind a bit. Like, I can still Mm -hmm. make some good plays now and then, but mostly it's just trying to beat people with standard Rocket League, kind of just waiting them out and waiting for somebody to make a mistake on something and taking advantage of it. And so Mm -hmm. there's always more stuff. I could practice ground dribbles a lot more, too. I mean, I could practice my shooting accuracy, but for me right now, I really believe in just focusing at one thing at a time. If you try to expand and go too broad with the scope of what you're trying to practice, you kind of lose focus and you don't really improve that one thing. So I'm really about setting my mind to doing one thing and then pressing on after that. So yeah, it's like, okay, so air roll right, air roll left. I got aerial control, like starting to work now it's starting to get better. So let's take that back to the ground. Let's do dribbles afterwards. And then obviously every single person on the face of the planet i don't care if you're garrett g or if you're literally if you're literally gold you can practice your shooting placement and your shot power so yes i wholeheartedly agree with that that is probably the biggest thing that is taken for granted in the game of rocket league i mean i i completely agree with you um 
and sometimes it swings the other way as well. Like you're sitting there and you can hit a shot so bad that it goes in because they were expecting a good shot. Yes. <laughs> um, it's always fun to hit them with the change-ups where you're like, oh, I totally missed that, but it worked. Uh, but for the most part, it's something that's completely overlooked. And when you watch pro play, and if you're not a pro, I, I really encourage you to focus on just how hard they shoot and where those balls are placed. And if you're Chicago, how many times you hit the crossbar? I'm sorry. I'm a G2 fan, but it hurts sometimes. Well, and how consistently they can do it. You know, if you watch some of their content, they will say, oh, I'm going to hit the ball or I'm going to try and hit the ball here. And it, it, they might miss the shot. And at least it's in that general direction. Oh, yeah. If they're trying to hit it top left and it hits post or it hits crossbar, you're like, oh, well, I mean, it was still there. Like, but we have to take things as I mean, I'm not going to say casual players, but basically as casual players. Right. Because we're not playing the game for money. Like even right. within RSC, the league that I play in, like we're still just doing that for fun in a discord trophy. It's not like we're playing for, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever. Mm -hmm. So as a casual and I'm going to copy, you now, quote unquote, player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really feel like it's super important to just work on those fundamentals because I think it's something that's very overlooked, especially in the earlier ranks when you start to get good at the game, like plat, diamond, and low champ. Is that's something that's always overlooked because they want to learn how to 180 flick, they want to learn how to musty flick, they want to learn how to ceiling shot, all these flashy mechanics that you see going through your head. When really you can get out of those ranks because I can barely do any of that stuff. You can literally get out of those ranks just by having good shot placement and being fast to the ball. Oh, 100%. Yes. And speaking of getting up and, and going out of those ranks, talk to me a little bit about your progression in the game. Like, did, were you able to get up to champ and GC pretty quickly? Were there any fumbles along the way? What did what did that look like? It was a full on struggle bus for me because I'm to be honest, I'm 29 years old. We play games for fun. Me and my buddies occasionally have an alcoholic beverage while we were playing. So you're, it can either elevate your game, but you always hit a point to where it just destroys you and you don't realize it. You're like, why am I missing this? It's like, oh, because I've had five beers. <laughs> and so um, for me, it was a struggle. It was basically a rank every season. So we started out silver, I want to say, in season four, season five of competitive play. I played like three games in season three, which was the season that lasted literally forever of paid to play, not free to play. Mm -hmm. And so it was basically just silver and silver in season four, gold in season five, uh, two seasons in plat, and then two seasons in diamond, and then like three seasons in champ before I finally broke through with that season 14 grand champ. So it was a long, consistent grind for me. It wasn't something that I just picked up and I was like a natural at it. Like it was a lot of work. It was a lot of training packs. I've been with my girlfriend for eight years and she's seen me do some of the same training packs for like literally five years now for as long as I've been playing the game like and so she's like oh you're doing that again and I'm like yeah I gotta get it down like so I still go back to the stuff uh, especially like whey protein makes so many good training packs and his shooting consistency consistency pack has literally been something I've been doing since I was platinum mm -hmm. so for me I mean it's been it's been a consistent struggle I want to say it was about 3,000 to 4,000 hours before I hit grand champ what was your what was your finishing MMR in season three last season? Uh fifteen hundred and twos and like fourteen seventy four and threes. Okay, so you didn't just sneak into GC. No, I was solidly up in mid GC one, but I couldn't break that barrier into GC two, and that's why I feel like I kind of start need to work on my mechanics again and start kind of giving a focus to that instead of just hopping into the game and playing ranked. What do you think the difference was between season three and season two? 
you want me to be completely honest with you? It was that's what you're here it, for. It was it was how high they lofted GC up to because it, it they raised it up to like what was it like fifteen ninety? I want to say from fifteen fifteen where it was before, or was it like fifteen forty? Okay, so they lofted up a bit, but that kind of pushed a lot of those GC one level players kind of down into that champ three, and I know. I follow a bunch of Rocket League content creators on on Twitter, and I was seeing tweets from Ranny. I was seeing tweets from Hootie Who. I was seeing tweets from Sunless. Like anybody who was like has a name for themselves already, for the most part. And we know they've been Grand Champ in the past, and they're sitting there talking about how they're struggle bussing. So I think with the influx of new players, a small count of how easy it was to make a Smurf after free to play, and then just the overall MMR race, just that. 20 mmr i mean it's really hard to win three games in a row i'm just gonna be honest with you in rocket league if you're solo queuing if you're out there just grinding sometimes it's hard to win three in a row and i think it, it kind of gets to you sometimes i suppose i never thought about the idea that because gc was pushed a little bit higher that that would push those gcs that were a little bit towards the bottom but still better than champ threes down into champ three and then champ threes are playing people that they're maybe not quite used to that are still better. Th- and then it just kind of weighs everything down. Yeah, it it kind of almost acted like an MMR decay, which I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not exactly about I'm not exactly stoked about being a season three grand champ. Like I know it's an achievement for a lot of people, but after hitting 1600 in season 14 and knowing that I'm a better player now than I was then at least mechanically and i've taken on to coaching a little bit and trying to like get people actively into the mind of the game instead of just aimlessly hitting the ball Mm -hmm. and i know i'm a better player now than i was in season 14 but the mmr disparity is kind of disheartening um but psionics doesn't owe us anything at the end of the day it's just a rank in a game we all play for fun so being a little bit older and kind of not basing my whole life around my rocket league rank helped that out a bit well and at the end of the day you know you're better right I mean, that's, so, what I, that's what I kept telling myself. The rank didn't reflect it, but I knew individually I was a better player. Yes. Yeah. So this is this is the thing that got me a lot when this whole season one fiasco was happening in the first place. Like so many people were just so bent out of shape that they weren't GC anymore. And like that's that's just the way that it is. That's that's just what it was. You know, like nobody. Nobody thinks less of anybody because their rank is a little bit different. Yeah, like I th- if anything, it, it just motivated me more to continue to try and be better. And I agree with you. And if you're talking about trying to break into those upper echelons of Rocket League, you're probably more concerned with your six man's rank than you are your actual rank rank. If you're actually trying to push up there and, you know, make those bubble teams and do everything else. So I don't really see why it was so tied. I understand wanting the rewards, wanting everything that you've already gotten. Um, and I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. I dipped down to Diamond 3 in Season 2. Like, I was down bad. It was just... I did in Season 1 and Season 2. <laughs> That's fair. Um, it, it's just, it was such a smorgasbord of different play styles. Uh, because like like I kind of iterated before, that kind of high, that low Grand Champ and champ, low Champ 3 kind of all got melded. And it made yeah. it extremely difficult to try to figure out an opponent's play style within that five minutes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've kind of taken to almost exclusively just queuing with friends. I just tanked like 40 MMR for fun playing with like a diamond three and a, 
and a champ two and ranked. So, I mean, yeah. at this point, I really don't care too much. I just want to play it out with the homies and have fun. Um, yeah. Because my time is limited now. And mm-hmm. uh, the most important thing to me is playing the game that I love. And sometimes right. mechanics get put on the back burner. Sometimes that practice time gets put on the back burner. And I can see that in my play now. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're playing a game, right? As long as you're having fun. I mean, I got home from work. What did I want to do? I wanted to fire up Rocket League, so I did it. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if there was just a general frustration cloud hovering over ranked in season one and season two that also made it worse. Not of like an individual, but just like everybody. Like everybody was just frustrated that they were lower and they wanted to be higher, so they were forcing things. I mean, that's that's a gigantic not a conspiracy theory, but just like a very grand idea. And there was a lot of frustration across the board, I feel like. There was frustration among content creators. There was frustration among the, the general player base. There was, I mean, I don't disagree with you at all. There was a lot of frustration. In the I mean, as go content for... creators in Rocket League, so goes the community. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they they have a fan base, rightfully so. They've built up that fan base. They've worked extremely hard to be where they are, and they deserve to have their opinions heard because that's what keeps our game alive that we love so much, right? Um, don't want to go into the whole memes about great, good, and awesome, but I know our I know our content creators are awesome, and I've had the ability to talk to a couple of them, and I really appreciate the work they put into the game and how many hours they spend playing the same game. I think I'd go insane if I was playing Rocket League 12 hours a day. Hmm. I don't mind it at all. You just so, have to have a break every now and then, in my yeah, opinion, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what would you what would you say was the biggest thing for you that pushed you over the edge for season three? I mean, obviously the MMR came down a little bit, and that helped, and you were able to push through the MMR ceiling by, I would guess, a couple hundred points from season three or excuse me season two to season three so what were the big differences there i just dedicated myself to the grind honestly i was i'm not gonna lie like most of the player base i was a little bit discouraged by my rank placement and it affected how much i played the game in season three i saw that they lowered the mmr but i was like i don't really care Uh, you know i want to try to hit 1600 again if i get 1550 whatever cool like close to my previous peak i was like i want to be there again regardless of who's playing whatever's happening in the community i was like i just want to prove to myself that i can be that good again so i went and i grinded i, I think i played like probably around a thousand ranked games that season in between twos and threes which i know isn't a lot for a lot of people but between grad school and streaming and you know a full-time accounting job i, I really just kind of put my nose to the stone and try to work as hard as i could and it wasn't even on mechanics it was just grinding the game like crazy and what would you what would you say like were you playing differently or when you started feeling confident and started moving up what what were the differences that you would say in how you were playing the game i was just more confident in myself honestly it was about it was just about not hesitating it was about challenging it was kind of i don't want to say this because it can be bad but sometimes just ignoring what your teammate is doing and just going for that challenge regardless because like if you have full confidence in yourself and you go up for it and you miss it you're like oh well that's on me you know it's not on my teammate it's not on anybody else i messed that one up uh so it's just kind of getting that doubt outside of my head and just being like you know what if this is my decision i'm making it i'm jumping i'm doing whatever i need to do to get that ball 
And that was really it for me. I just became a more decisive and a bit faster of a player. And uh, just because I had confidence in myself, like I was pushing myself pretty hard and I was seeing results. And after you get those first couple of wins, it gets really easy to rack a couple more up, especially when you're playing with a friend, you're hyping each other up in comms, you're doing all that fun stuff. So for me, I really want to say it was just my decision making improved, but my decision making improved because of confidence, not because of like just countless hours of replay review and other stuff that most Mm -hmm. people would go into it with it. Were all these were most of these games with friends though? Or were they solo queue? It was about half and half. I I wanted to prove to myself that I could still do it by myself. So um, about half my games were solo queue, about half my games were with friends. Where did this confidence come from? Uh, Just basically saying screw it, to be honest with you. I just... I was like, I'm not going to hesitate anymore. If I make the wrong decision, I make the wrong decision. But I was like, I was tired of getting beat by like just turning back and shadow defending a second too late instead of like, I, I could have challenged him there. Just like minute scenarios that happen in the game. I was like, you know what? Just my first, my gut instinct. That's what I'm going with. If it's the wrong one, it is what it is. And that, I think that's really what improved it is because I just kind of shut my brain off and I just kind of, I don't want to say I flow stated it because, you know, I'm not SSL, but <laughs> Um, just kind of entering that spot where you're just comfortable enough with yourself and with your decision making that you're like, hey, I can do this. I can challenge this. This will help us win. This is what I'm going to do. Do you have any experiences or examples of when doing something like that might have bit you initially or maybe one or two times and then next time around it shifted so that your challenges or something became better as you were kind of in this, I'm just going to go and whatever happens, happens kind of mentality. Yeah. I wouldn't call it like ball chasing exclusively, but it was, it was more like, especially in twos, you get bit by it a lot, right? Because you're trying to buy your teammate time to get back twos during like, after season 13, when everybody's mechanics started becoming good enough to actually hold on to the ball all the time, not kind of just ping it around back and forth. I feel like there was a huge shift in like the high champ and the grand champ ranks around then to where, cause like we even saw it in RLS RLCS season seven with Veloce, right? They were playing boomer ball the entire time and it was working in threes and they were able to just keep pressure off of them just by getting rid of the ball and then hunkering down on defense and counterattacking. And so I kind of made it a point just to keep the ball closer, but decided to challenge because I knew other players were going to be doing the same thing. We saw the pro meta shift. And a lot of the higher level players watch the pro game. So if they're going to watch that, they're going to try to incorporate some of that into their play. And in twos, I got bit all the time on bad challenges or getting faked or anything that happened. But it's just at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with owning up to your mistakes and trying to learn from them. And I think I did that a little bit better. And I kind of reacted to how people played a little bit better just because, hey, if I missed that first challenge, I knew the second time, hey, he can fake here. I might take it a little bit slower than just go the entire time. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in a very similar place right now with my game where I am working on playing faster. I'm working on being in the play more. I play with some guys that are GC. We mostly just play casual games. And I feel like I have gotten myself into it. And I solo queue a lot when I'm playing ranked because they don't necessarily enjoy playing ranked a lot. And one thing that happens or one habit that I got into is 
being extremely conservative. Like I will play very far off the play. I will play into my side of the field so that somebody is back on defense and I win games. I score goals. I have opportunities, but it really doesn't lend me to being, uh, kind of challenging my mechanics or getting as many opportunities as I possibly could. And so I'm trying to be more a part of the play. I'm trying to be a little bit more aggressive and I'm trying to be there as much as possible and then figure out when to pull back. So instead of just playing extremely defensive, I'm trying to be aggressive. And then at the same time, when I need to pull back, pull back. And I think what you said about just going whenever you have this feeling of going is where I'm at and the skill or the, the gut feeling of this is not when I go, or I don't need to touch the ball here. I don't need to try and do something here is the one feeling that I'm really trying to hone in for myself. Cause I think having like what you're talking about isn't ball chasing. It's just making a decision and following through on it because whether it's twos or threes, you're making that opponent make a decision. And I think equally as important. And from my time watching high level gameplay is how often they don't go for the ball is just as important as them going for the ball. I completely agree with you. Um, it, it was actually pretty funny just to kind of talk to your point. I played twos with a top uh, right now. I think he's like top 20, top 25 last time I checked, but uh, his name's Patty. I've casted him in uh, the UGC Battle Academy, the uh, high school Rocket League casting I do. And he's consistently like top 50 on the 3v3 leaderboards. Like he's always up there. He's like, hey, man, I don't care about my twos rank. You want to go grind some twos? Just have some fun with it. I was like, yeah, man, whatever. I appreciate the offer, you know, getting to play like high SSLs. And we were at a point where we were playing like Plix and Wonder and we were playing Mile and all these like pros that, you know, I never thought I would be in a lobby with. Yeah. But his whole thing was like, hey, make them do something with the ball. He's like, I don't care if you hit your challenge. I don't care if you miss your challenge. Like, he's like, I'm going to be behind you. Don't worry about my boost. Don't worry about anything. He's like, make them make a decision and I can play off of that. And so whenever you actually trust your teammate, like, obviously, I trust him. He's like 500 MMR above me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it makes it so much easier. And it kind of breaks the game down into a simple kind of, hey, make them do something. Okay, I follow up on it. And I think in threes, it gets a lot more chaotic trying to play that style uh, because you always kind of want somebody on the ball if you're going to be just like that aggressive. I think it's a lot easier in twos to kind of feel out when you need to go, when you need to touch, when you don't need to touch, just because you're afforded more space. And you get that muscle memory for it. And then you can bring that back into your threes game and actually improve that way. Even though there's an extra player on the pitch, you know when to challenge, you know when to hesitate or not hesitate, but you know when to fall back in shadow. You kind of just learn all of that by giving yourself some more space and growing your brain around the fact that, hey, I had more space to do this in twos. Now this decision needs to be quicker in threes, but you've beat it down so much in your head by playing so many twos games that it kind of just falls into place eventually. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think the more that I think about it and as I'm thinking about this whole thing of how not touching the ball is just as important as challenging the ball, especially in threes, and I primarily play threes. Now that they have twos tournaments, I'm playing a little bit more twos because I'll 
lose a game in a twos tournament and that'll make me want to play more twos and just because you have more time on the ball you get you get different opportunities than you do in a threes game i'm i'm really noticing how often i touch the ball and it's just completely worthless like that's the next part of it it's not just and how many times in my games people will touch the ball and it is just completely pointless whether they're on your team or on the other team sometimes i'll try and start a possession and then one of my teammates will come out of nowhere and just hit the ball into the sidewall and managing all of that going back to what you said of doing your best to figure out when the right time is even when you finally get to that right time especially if you're in a lower rank and the ball maybe isn't flying across the field the entire game like it is in an SSL game or a high GC game. You almost have to add this third skill of patience with your teammates because you could be trying to play that patient game and setting yourself up for that right opportunity. And then your teammate will come in, you know, Leroy Jenkins and just steal it from you. And that can be frustrating. And it's kind of, it's just part of the game. I mean, it really is, but you have to break it down at a micro level instead of a macro level. Like, did you make the right play there? Yes. Is that all you can control? Also, yes. You can't control what your teammate does, right? So I think it's super important to realize that, hey, while I made the right play, my teammate didn't. That might be his fault. But as long as I'm doing the right thing and you can consistently realize that you start making the right plays more, you will end up ranking up because you'll get a teammate that's like-minded. Uh, just eventually like by the luck of the draw it will happen at some point and i can guarantee you if if you're plat if you're diamond you will have a dribble and you will have somebody yeet that ball into no man's land and it'll be it'll look like the flakes clip uh clip from twitter where he's just like okay i'm gonna play a high level threes game in eu okay we threw away possession oh uh, they threw away possession okay my teammate's gonna hit this he just threw away possession and now my team's gonna throw away possession and now i'm gonna control this in the corner and oh i'm demoed <laughs> right exactly you can you can make the right idea and you can make the right play but you have to fit it into a play style that fits your team so if you're if your teammate's gonna ball chase sometimes like you said you're playing defensive you're not getting those mechanical opportunities but you're winning games right if that's what's important to you is winning games then go ahead and do it like nobody's gonna fault you for playing defensively yeah and and it's almost i wouldn't even because i i had a conversation with on with Sleegy about this and offensive and defensive. And I wouldn't even necessarily consider it playing defensively, but it's just playing. I don't know if smart is the right word. It's just playing rocket league. Like you, you think this is your chance and then somebody might take that chance from you. And then it's just on to the next position, especially if you're solo queuing, like not, not getting attached or giving yourself the expectation that you deserve to touch the ball because in a, I mean, solo queue rocket league is like black Friday. For those of you that are in Europe that don't know what black Friday is, or maybe haven't heard of it. It's, it's basically a day of chaos the day after Thanksgiving here in America, where everybody gets a bloodlust for buying TVs at, 20% of what their cost is and everybody just goes crazy everywhere. Um but that's that's like 
I've never made this analogy, but that's what Rocket League is like sometimes, especially at lower levels. Everybody just sees the ball and they want to hit the ball. So if you're trying to play rotational, if you're trying to, you know, prepare yourself for where the ball is coming and you're there and you're ready, but somebody just comes out and swoops it away from you. Yeah, that sucks. And you just got to get ready again. And if you're continually doing that and putting yourself in a good position, then, you know, more times than not, the games will work out for you because eventually everybody will screw up enough that you will be able to score goals and win games. Yeah, that's almost exclusively how games are won in, in pro Rocket League now. Everybody is so good at defense, so good at reading the back wall that it's just one missed touch and it literally leads to a goal or it's a, just a phenomenal passing play with a shot that's going to 85 miles an hour. But as long as you focus on yourself and the micro and what you can do right, I think that's the easiest way to rank up because you can't control your teammates as much as you'd like to, as much as you'd love to have, you know, six arms and three controllers. It's just not possible. So at the end of the day, you kind of have to take your own improvement into your own hands and be like, okay, just sit down, realize what you're doing right, and just grow from that. So where is your rank right now? I'm... If you've even done your placement matches. Oh, I I have done my placement matches in both. Um, I'm like 1,400 in threes right now, and I think I'm 1,425 in twos. So pushing Grand Champ, basically right on it. Um, Had a rough streak last night, lost about 40 MMR in twos, so I dropped from you know, 1450 to 1410. No then, big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rocket league. It's a flow state. It's ebbs and flows. You're going to have good days. Yeah. You're going to have bad games. It's a roller it's, coaster. It's, it's, it's literally sports. Like I, I played baseball, right? Where like, you have to remember that like the greatest hitters of all time fail seven out of 10 times. So I kind of just take that mentality into rocket league. Like, Hey, matchmaking is literally designed to give you a 50, 50 win percentage. So some days you're going to be below that and some days you're going to be above that. And if you do what you can and you just try to, again, focus on yourself and what you can improve, you can pull out of any hole. I mean, it might seem impossible. It might seem like you're hard stuck, but sometimes you just have to go back and watch a replay and see all the things you did wrong and be like, oh, I could have done so much better. So what would you suggest to a diamond player to elevate their game to the next level? Uh, I would say overall map awareness, learn to use your right stick, learn to love your right stick, or if the right stick disorients you while you drive, like it does for me, spam the absolute mess out of your ball cam button. (laughs) It looks like I'm having a seizure sometimes whenever I am on the pitch because I'm toggling ball cam on and off like three or four or five times in a row. Um, But that and just, you know, sometimes you just have to work on fundamentals. Like if you're diamond, you're there for a reason. You understand the basics of the game. If you really want to take that next step up, improve your speed, improve your shooting percentage or your shooting accuracy, improve your power, get those power shots, maybe some ground dribbles. But like you don't have to do anything advanced to be grand champ, because if you've ever, ever watched anything that I've ever done personally, like when I play, I, I don't do anything special at mm-hmm. all. I literally just. I try to control the ball when I can. I try to pass when I can. And every once in a while, I'll hit a banger shot or a banger double tap. Like, I am not anything special whatsoever mechanically. And so you don't need to double flip reset to hit Grand Champ. Like, it obviously will help your overall car control and it'll help you progress once you get there. But if you're only focusing on mechanics and you're just ignoring your teammates the whole time trying to solo play, it's going to be really difficult to rank up. So as a GC1, what... How do you look at speed? And when you say improve speed, what do you mean? Because I, I feel 
like you're opening up Pandora's box when you say something like speed. I actually talked about that on my podcast a f- two or three weeks ago. Just the like the idea of going fast and then there's playing fast effectively. So when you say speed, what do you mean? When I say speed, I mean more like carrying your momentum. So ball chasing is a great resource if you want to kind of dive into some advanced statistics of what you're trying to do. And one of like my keys is you get supersonic speed, the percentage of the game you're at supersonic speed. You get boost speed, which is the percentage of the game that you're going faster than anything than the max you can drive at. And then you have slow speed, which is just the max that when you hold the right trigger, that's the top speed. That's your slow speed. So anything that or below that. And so my thing is you want to be able to learn to conserve your momentum, to be able to recover power slide, wave dash, to get your boost speed above your slow speed. And all while doing that, you obviously have to be able to touch the ball. So you have to play within your own means. Like if your mechanics aren't there and you're, you know, 20% supersonic like the pros are, well, I mean, it's not really going to be beneficial to you because you don't know how to aerial when you're already going that fast around the pitch. Um, but that's always a key thing is like boost management, grabbing pads and just keeping your momentum around the pitch and not removing yourself from the play. So you can stay in that play and make more of an impact. Um, for instance, in threes, if you've ever had somebody going up the sidewall, you have one person waiting for a pass, like in the kind of the upper third, just waiting for the guy to hit it off the sidewall. And then your other teammates back grabbing for boost. The pass happens, you get a 50, 50 right in front of net, your teammates all the way on the back left corner boost by your net and you have an opportunity to hit the ball, but because the pass was made and you're essentially removing yourself from the play, that's kind of what I mean by speed is being able to keep momentum enough to be able to stay in the play. That was really long winded though. (laughs) I think, I think momentum is one of the things that could be talked about more, especially for people as they are moving up the ranks. One thing that I noticed recently was how important it is to just stay in motion and keep that momentum going and then at the same time being able to control your control your car so that you can actually be effective when you go for the ball can be very challenging i've i could not tell you how many aerials or plays i have what's the word that i'm executed poorly because I have so much forward momentum when I go up in the air, I just fly past the ball or under the ball. Or when I'm working on aerials, I will create so much forward momentum that I'm past the ball before I get high enough because I'm shooting myself forward instead of more up. I mean, that's that's something as basic as just working on a fast aerial and actually sitting down and putting the t- hours in to make sure that you're full tilt up whenever you're jumping. But if you're already supersonic before that, you're right. You can overshoot stuff. And I can tell you from my personal experience that uh, it happens to me a lot as well. Like, it's just one of those things where sometimes you're just carrying speed and a 50-50 goes the wrong way and you jump for it. And as soon as you jump and see the ball, you're like, oh, God, I messed up. It happens to all of us. Like, we're not perfect. We're not professionals. We're not going to recover from every scenario. Um, but it's all about playing within your means, but trying to do it in an efficient manner. And that's why I say momentum instead. I should have used momentum to start off with instead of speed, uh, just because that allows you to stay in the play more and more, uh, mm-hmm. especially on defense, because if you have 24 boost, you can cover every single portion of the net. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, you can do it with 12, but that that's a little bit more difficult because you have to be at the right place at the right time. But so how does one practice keeping their momentum in a game? In a game, it's a little bit more difficult. I would say like the, the biggest thing is like learning how to wave dash and learning how to recover. So just putting yourself in awkward positions and aerials and free play. Uh, but during the game, it's just focusing on minute details. Like if you take an aerial and you're going to land on a wall, like go ahead and air roll and land yourself to where you can continue your momentum from your jump and use that wall to actually propel you down because you do gain speed from driving down a wall. Um, and then, you know, while you're driving down it, jumping off, hitting a wave dash, just those little things to keep speed. And then obviously looking for little boost pads. That's one of the biggest things that people just ignore because big boost is shiny and beautiful and everybody loves it. Yeah. And I think this, it also plays back into what you were talking about earlier in terms of challenges and decision-making because I feel, and I'm, this is one of the reasons that I've been practicing explicitly thinking about in my games that I want to stay in motion because as somebody that plays a little bit more conservatively or plays a little conservatively and extremely hesitant. So one thing that I will do or a habit that I've created for myself is rotating back post and then literally just watching the game go left and right over the net. Like the, when I'm on defense, my opponents will come up one side of the field and then my teammates will challenge and then it might, you know, bounce out just a little bit. And then my other teammate will come in and hit it to the other side of the field. But then my opponent already has somebody on that side of the field. So then they'll take it to the other corner. So I kind of go to the other back post and then I'm literally just watching these guys hit the ball back and forth for like 10 or 15 seconds. And because I hesitated initially, then I've created a situation in which it's even more difficult for me to get out of the net because everybody has created this flow in our final third that it's difficult for me to insert myself back into. Yeah. So that's a really rough spot being that third man. Like if you're looking at a perfect defensive rotation, right? You have one challenging the ball, you have one around the front post and you have one on the back post, right? So I would almost argue that being stopped on the back post is the only place you should really be stopped on the rocket league pitch, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, just because that is kind of proper. You want to make sure you cover the net when you're being attacked. The problem is whenever that ball crosses, you need to be confident enough to shoot out and try to get that next challenge, especially if, if the field reverses. Because if the field reverses, well, now you're technically first man, right? Because you don't want the guy on front post going after that ball. And you don't want the guy who just challenged to cut all the way across the field, probably burn all the boost that he just got. So it's just about hitting maybe that quick power slide and getting over there. Or if you're lucky enough and you realize kind of where the play is going beforehand, you can get on the backboard and go up the backboard and try to catch a ball that's shooting across as well. There's, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always options and there's always stuff that you can do. It's just... When your back post and the ball switches field, it's it's my personal belief. And I could be totally wrong about this. And any one of your fantastic people that you have that come in and do this podcast could tell me that I'm wrong and I'd totally be okay with it because obviously I'm I'm just a casual gamer that has like 5,000 hours in this game and is still only GC1. But uh, there's always some steps that you can take to go ahead and try to insert yourself into that play without cutting through and ruining your teammates' rhythm. Right. And I think that's the thing that I'm trying to 
again, go back to going back to what you said is people are so quick in this game to fill a void. And I am an extremely uh, passive person in general. Like if somebody fills in that space, well, I'm going to, oh, well, they're there. So I'm just going to let them have it. And because I, I don't want to double commit, I don't want to have two people in the same spot because that's, that's clearly just not good. Right. And so now instead of allowing that space to be filled, I'm being more proactive and getting into that space myself and moving and trying to be a more dynamic piece of the field. And it's, it's making, it's putting me in some uncomfortable situations because I have not been in those very much. And, and I think finding that rhythm in between sometime when I might go into an old habit and when I get back into, or try to get back into the normal way or the way that I'm trying to do things, uh, then it's it's an even more interesting thing for me because I'm trying to figure out how to get myself back in the flow, which is a skill that I don't have yet. Basically, where I'm at is, I mean, I'm working hard to be a more active part of my rotations. And you actually mentioned earlier ballchasing.com. That's one thing that I use a lot. I upload all my replays there. Do you have the ball chasing overlay that you can look at your stats in rocket league instead of having to go to ball chasing i actually it's awesome personally um that sounds amazing though it looks like it sounds like something i need to look i just yesterday so i just press it's you. equal the equals button for me and i don't know if i set that up or if you can set that up like independently so i press equals and all my replays that i've uploaded pop up there and i can look through my stats in rocket league instead of having to go to ball chasing it's fantastic yeah that's yeah that's amazing that is something that i definitely it's, need to look it's into it's fantastic but i've been paying attention more to my speed of play like my my movement speed over games because i want it to go up because i hesitate so much and i stay in one spot so much that I am trying to move more. I'm trying to be faster. I'm trying to be in supersonic more and being a part of the play and then trying to not or try to get out more quickly instead of hesitating or not or try to challenge more instead of waiting for them to come to me. And and I break in, I fall out of that sometimes. And then once I realize it's, a whole other set of skills to be able to reinsert or get almost reactivated into that mindset. Yeah. It just, when, especially when you have stats that are prevented or presented to you real time, it's really difficult to try to get in the swing of things when you're trying to analyze yourself and your play. Um, While the stats being shown live is amazing, like if I see that I'm back like 70% of a game, I probably know that there's something moderately going wrong just because that means us as a team aren't allowed Mm -hmm. to break out. So like, yeah, you can make more like macro adjustments on how you're trying to clear. Um, One of the things I harp on, especially with the high school teams that we cast, um, they tried to do a lot of solo clears, a lot of dribbles out of the corner, a lot of kind of slower developing plays 
where sometimes even though you're giving up possession, it's best to just look for a teammate, hit a clear right down to them and let them apply that pass and that that momentum that you generated on the ball into another car so you can just get it out of your half, get some boost and maybe reset a bit and go for, you know, a challenge in the midfield versus being back the whole time and just trying to dribble out. And then, hey, you have 12 boosts. You're trying to dribble this ball out and you get dunked immediately. And then it's just, oh, pressure's right back in your face. Um, so it's cool that the sets are prevented to you in that way, but I really think an overall just look at it and then trying to change it the next day or the next session that you're there would probably be just better overall because you go in with a mindset that you're going to be doing this instead of a mindset that you're fighting what you've already been doing, if that makes sense. So if something's presented to you in real time and you see it and you try to change it, that might bring that hesitation back into the fold that we're trying to already talking about getting rid of in the first place. Just so I'm clear, it's not like real time, real time. Like I can't see my speed as I'm playing a game. It's more at the end of the game. Once it's uploaded to ball chasing, I'll be able to look at the stats from my previous game and be like, okay, that one was a little bit slower. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome then. Okay. Yes. That makes a lot it's, more sense. It's, that makes a lot more sense. I was like, if that's actually on your screen, oh, no, so no, no, no. Cause I'm an accountant. Yeah. So like I would see numbers. I'd be like, Ooh, Ooh numbers. Cool. Yeah. No. No, <laughs> not numbers. at all. I'm one of those weird no, people. It's, it's definitely after the game, I'll pull it up and be like, that game felt a little bit slow or I was hesitating. How, how was it? And then of course, you know, I'll see that it was somewhere in the mid 1300s for average speed. And I will think to myself, yeah, that's about at least a hundred or if not 150 lower than where I'd like to be. You know, right now where I'm at, I'd really like to see my games in with an average speed of high 1400s and occasionally I'll have a game where I'm both effective and in the 1500s and I feel good about that and right now if I have a game in the 1500s usually I will have a lot of misses I will uh, not have a lot of good touches or my my overall score will be low like my my full game score will be low because I'm not getting very effective touches on a consistent basis, which is something else that I'm working on. And I had a very frustrating day today of working on that. And it's just, I need, I get to remind myself that this is just day two of this process. Uh, So there's, there's still a lot of work left to do. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is you're, you're taking in the analysis that you need. You're making the changes. You're going in with a mindset of what you need to change. And then you're taking your rank games and you're working on that. Right. And you, and the player base has to realize that you just deciding to challenge everything on a whim isn't, it might get you a couple wins, but it's not going to be a sustainable value. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Uh, you're not going to win every single game you play just by literally just going monkey mode and chasing literally everything. Like sometimes you'll win. Sometimes you'll get burned and get beat six, one because you're out of position a lot of the time. So you have to think of it as a mindset and a continual thing. You might tank 10 games that day, but the next day you'll come in, you'll have that same mindset and you'll win 11 Mm -hmm. more. It just, it really just depends on the day and how you're playing, especially because there's so much that goes into the rocket league. There's so much just with the positioning, with rotation, with the mental mindset of the game and trying to avoid tilt as much as you can. And then your physical mechanics and how far your thumbs will actually take you to allow you to make the touches that you want to make. So if just one of those things is off, you can have a bad Mm -hmm. day in rocket league. And there's not, it's not going to be every single day that all four of those things link up and you're doing extremely Mm -hmm. well. And so it's really about realizing what you're doing well on that day and trying to enable yourself and put yourself in successful positions, even if you don't make 
the perfect touch every well time. and honestly i've been playing a lot of casual games this season i've been playing more casual games this season by myself than i normally would because i will run into mid-level gcs and sometimes ssls in casual and i mean i will get destroyed or they will be very hard games and i get to see what i'm up against i get to see where i'm going and i have replays to watch of how they play as opposed to how i'm playing and it's just a stark reminder of like how different things actually are at those at those levels and and that's what gives me that's what paints this picture of how much more patient i get to be in terms of playing rocket league because you know if we have a random ssl in our game full of low gcs and champ players they like they're a perfect example of playing fast and playing slow like they're always in the right spot they're never putting themselves out of position they're never losing control of their car and they're just always there it's so frustrating because when you when you watch it it's just like you know they're mr miyagi they they're just completely calm and everything like in a world of chaos you know they're just there carrying everything themselves it's very fascinating yeah it's even like i said i played those high level twos games with um with the high school kid that's like top 103s and even then you can see like he was averaging like probably six saves a game just from myself challenging and kind of kind of throwing myself out of position but you know making the other team give up the ball because they have more combined mm-hmm. skill than we do right so how are we going to win we're going to counter attack we're going to make them give up the ball we're going to try to take possession and let him do what he does best which is be a top 100 player in rocket league so he was he was averaging crazy amounts of saves and i was just sitting there doing my job but you're talking about the calm before the storm there were some flicks that i saw him save that i was like i was panicking and i was on the other side of the pitch just watching i'm like oh my god that's a bang yeah and he's just like, oh, casual safe, whatever. Like, it wasn't even like in I was in comms with him as well. And it was just like it blew my mind how calm he was when it's like when I'm playing with my team, like low GC, mid GC with RSC, how different just our comms are mm-hmm. than their comms. Mm-hmm. And like, don't get me wrong, as a caster, my my communication with my team is pretty energetic. It's very hype. It's very I, I would say bright, I guess. It's it's detailed when it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be detailed just because I'm so used to watching the game and doing that, uh, that it happens a lot. It just kind of just carries over. And sometimes when you have those stoic players and you can kind of communicate with them and kind of communicate for them, it's a lot of fun as well. But it's just one of those things that like being in the right place at the right time means something different for every single member on the pitch. And if one of those things is just off sync a little bit, you might be dropping the ball and getting scored on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really deep in my stuff right now. One, and I, I think one thing that I'm thinking about is I've, I've always been a person and maybe you might have an experience of this as, as somebody that has been in athletics or or things of that nature in the past that if I'm practicing something or I'm working on something I get to a point where I'm 
I hit this level of satisfaction of like, oh, I've I've had a few successful air dribbles or I've had a few successful whatever. Let's just go get into a game or try this out in some games and I'll make mistakes and I'll screw th- some things up and I'll be grumpy with myself. And especially recently when I've been getting in these GC games, every now and then I'll get that one guy that can just start an air dribble from anything off the wall. It'll hit it a couple times. He'll, you know, get a flip reset and just do all this crazy stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, how, how does somebody get themselves to a point like that? And I, I, one thing that I'm working on for myself or trying to figure out is how do I break down this wall of thinking this is good enough or just completely destroying this idea of what is good enough and just pushing myself to be able to do some of the things that these extremely high level players do. Or maybe I just need to watch them more and try and emulate it more so that I can actually eventually do it or figure out how to do it, get on the way to do it. And maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. But like just thinking about or hearing you talk about this this Patty character and knowing that he's so high, like, how do you, how do you get yourself to that place? You know, the crazier thing is he plays keyboard mouse. So I can't even comprehend it because when I play keyboard mouse, I'm legit bronze. Like I can't touch the ball. I jump all over the place. It's the ugliest. It's literally the ugliest looking rocket league that you'll ever see. And the fact that he plays keyboard mouse and can do that, like I, I play FPS games on keyboard mouse. I have no problems with it. But when I start trying to control my car in Rocket League, it's like you just taught a toddler how to right, walk Right, it's again. a completely different world. Because, yeah, it's just so different. So the fact that he can do all that and he can do it on a different input device than I can just absolutely blows my mind. And honestly, I, I'm at the point to where I know that I don't have all this time to sink into the game. And I struggle with the same thing you do to where... I'm kind of like, what level's just okay? Like, what am I satisfied with? Uh, because, you know, the ultimate goal was always GC, and then they added in GC, you know, 2, 3, SSL. And I got to a point where I'm still asking myself, like, hey, do I really want to push for this? Like, do I really want to sink all that time in? And especially, like, being in a situation that I'm in, in a relationship with a loving girlfriend of eight years, she likes to game, and she really loves FPS games. So for myself... Anytime that I get to spend with her sharing a passion like gaming that we both have is vital. And so I've been playing a ton of Valorant with her. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've kind of been slacking on the Rocket League grind as much. But it hasn't bothered me because I'm enjoying myself so much playing other games. And that's why when we were first talking about this, how I said, hey, I'm kind of just playing to play right now. I'm not really working on anything. I have the plans to, you know, sit down and really grind arrow, arrow right or arrow left. Again, I don't even know which one feels more comfortable for me because right now it's just a spinning mess. <laughs> and like, it just comes down to the point where you have to have your priorities as a person, right? Totally. And so I, I still believe if I dropped everything and I was like, okay, I'm quitting my accounting job. I'm going full-time Rocket League. I think I could hit SSL. I could probably do it, but that would mean dropping the adult things of my life that are important, like a salary and <laughs> health insurance and everything else. You know, like it, we're, we're lucky enough to be in a world where these kids have these opportunities now. Whereas I was playing MLG and game battles in Halo 2 back in 2004 when I was like 13, 14 years old and, you know, complete, competing for like $50. 
and we're still I was still out there playing every single day because, you know, you don't have those added responsibilities of being an adult. And so you kind of have to find that healthy balance of, okay, well, given the time that again, as like I'm an accountant, so it's like an equation, right? It's like given the time that I have allotted to play this game, given the time that I have to practice this game and not play the game if you know what I'm saying, like not just play ranked, but actually like try to learn more advanced mechanics, try to start getting on that level that I see other people at. And given the time that I have available, what is a realistic goal Mm -hmm. that I can achieve? And so for myself looking at it right now, it's basically just keeping grand champ, pushing 1500, pushing my previous peak of 1600. Like that's where I want to be personally with the limited amount of time that I'm currently putting into the game. So it, it really comes down to a case by case basis. And I don't want to say that I'm satisfied being 1600 because everybody wants to be better. Like, but the thing is you have to realize all the work that goes into being better. And it's not just as simple as firing up the game and saying, Hey, I'm going to play 10 rank games for a week and I'll be 1600. It's no, or 10 rank games a day for a week. It's not that simple. Like rocket league is something where it's continuously evolving. It's continuously going. It's, it's not like riding a bike where you just get right back and you're there. Cause Rocket League doesn't have any transferable skills from any other game that's ever been made. Like you can play driving games and you can be great at driving games and you can get into Rocket League and you can flop around like a fish for an hour and still not get it. You're like, well, I'm just driving. How am I bad at this? Mm -hmm. But there's nothing transferable. I mean, Rocket League is just its own complete separate entity. We talked about the the comparisons like Madden, NBA 2K and all those other games that are simulation based and animation based versus being solely Mm -hmm. mechanics based. And that even makes the re-entry of, hey, I was playing like, you know, 10 to 20 hours every two weeks. And now I'm playing 30 to 40 hours every two weeks, but I'm not seeing improvement. Well, it's because you're not actually practicing the right things. You're just playing the game more. And so it's about allotting your time efficiently and just setting a realistic goal for yourself. Because a lot of people have lofty aspirations and a lot of people can't attain those lofty aspirations. But that's because they have the time behind them to be able to do Mm -hmm. something like that. Totally. So it's all about just being comfortable with yourself and being realistic with yourself and being like, how much time do I have to dedicate to this? And what can I achieve out of that time that I have available? And how purposeful you can be with that time. that's completely correct as well but that's what i mean more by like i could sit down and my next 40 hours in rocket league could be trying air roll left or air roll right but i would definitely prefer to just play matches totally. instead of do that yeah of course so and it's all about that balance like my my playing right now isn't purposeful training it's just playing with the homies kicking back a couple of beers right. and having a good time and i'm okay with that for now but i'm not going to be consistently mm-hmm. okay with mm-hmm. that so yeah. And I, I think, you know, one, one thing that I'm contemplating, even as I'm trying to say this sentence, which is why it's such a choppy sentence, is what is the most productive thing that I can do? Like today, I was spending a lot of time just trying to be more effective in my games. So going for the ball at better times, getting better touches, not just hitting the ball and hitting it once and then having to rotate away or hitting the ball and floating off into the sunset while the ball goes the other direction. Like I really want to get multiple touches. I want to create possession or get good 50 fifties, get good challenges. So good things 
happened and I can follow through on those things because I would say I get a lot of lackluster touches, things that I can't follow through on, or I miss the ball a lot. And I don't want to do those because I want to be a good Rocket League player. I want to be a good teammate. I want to move up in the ranks eventually, continuously. And I'm having this inward struggle with myself of there's a part of it that's clearly mechanical. And then I also know that there is a big part of it that is just my decision making. I feel that my mechanics are pretty good, but then I still make mistakes in game, which it is what it is. Like I know that there's stuff to be worked on. And I also know that there's a lot of decision making that is bad. But then how do I work on those mechanics outside of the game so that they, I can know that they improve? And it's just this back and forth thing that I haven't quite gotten figured out yet. It's like one of those, it's one of those hard things because I don't want to make a recommendation just based off, you know, talking to you. It's, it's, it's always hard doing stuff like that, but just for the overall player base, I think it's always important to warm up. And I think it's have a specific goal in mind. Like if you want to, like I said, with air roll right and air roll left, like my ideal, if I just didn't want to hop into the game and play games with basically no warm up, it would be take 30 minutes to an hour on Lethemir's rings, trying to work out air roll right and air roll left, incorporate a little bit of that in my gameplay and not care mm-hmm. about my rank. Right. So I would go in, do that training for 30 minutes to an hour, like every day, play a couple rank matches afterwards, see how comfortable we are with it and continue to do that and incorporate just that one mechanic. Like I said earlier, it's about being focused instead of being broad. So like you have like multiple things that you're struggling with at the same time. So pick one, focus on that one and just go for it. Like everybody misses a ball. Everybody's going to have mechanical errors. So like when in RSC, I was coaching the lower tier. So I was coaching like platinum players and diamond players. Uh, just basically fundamentals and what to do. And whenever we reviewed the replays, I was like, look, I'm not going to sit here and harp on your mechanical mistakes when I can go into a GC lobby and make the exact same mistake you did. And I have done that. So like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about mechanics. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about putting yourself in a position to succeed. And in training, that position to succeed is focusing on Mm -hmm. one thing at a time and then slowly incorporating it into your gameplay. Um. And so if you're worried about decision-making, well, you can't do that anywhere else but actually playing the game. And so it's important to be able to do that, but you have to do it with the mindset of this is what I'm working on. If I lose the game or if I tank my rank, I don't care. This is the whole reason why I am playing right now. And I also think that's why what Psionics did to casual and not just having insta levers actually makes it a little bit more viable for that style of practice now because it's more likely that people will hang around and actually play multiple games with you and if that's the case you get to kind of nail down a player's play style through you know a two or three game set if they stick around and then you're able to go ahead and be like okay he's most likely going to do this here so you can be more decisive with your action and that's just building that confidence right whereas before if you tried to practice anything in casual you score one goal one player leaves and you're playing against a bot, you're not getting any real decisive mm-hmm. practice. So I, I do love the changes that Psionics made to casual to make it viable to kind of go in and play games and work on things within those yeah. casual games. Um, and I guess that's what I would do. I would see if you can get with your, you know, your, your low GC buddies 
or I mean, we're doing a podcast now. You can hit me up anytime if I'm on and, you know, just run some of those games and be like, just be in communication and be like, I'm going here and making sure that they know it. So everybody can kind of fill that rotation properly. So you don't feel like you're stuck back all the time because these guys are just chasing the ball or whatever else. And not saying that your teammates chase, but if you're going to be hesitant, people are going to fill that space for you. Like totally. we talked about earlier. Right. And, and that's the thing of just learning how to be more a part of the game and at the same time, you know, not going for things that don't need to be gone for. It's a, it's a very fine balance yeah, I mean, because I try and watch, you know, higher level players do that and I see it and I understand it. And I think, uh, maybe part of it is just understanding how they, I mean, getting better car control, getting better ball control, still making it all work together. And again, this is like day two of trying to figure all of this out. So, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. I mean, any rocket league players career, they'll tell you everything is a work in progress at some point. I, I would consider almost everything that I have to be still a work in progress. And I have like 4,000 right. hours in the game. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a game that's extremely rewarding and at the same time painful and not in a bad way. It just, it constantly reminds you of what you mess yeah. up, but that's everything, right? You know, every single time you strike out, you're thinking to yourself how you could have done differently or every single time you take a strike three or you miss a ball and it's strike three, you're, you know, beating yourself up as you walk back to the dugout thinking, why did I swing at that ball? Uh, you know, it's, it's there, it's there in everything. And I think, I think again, going back to what I was saying earlier about working on my mechanics and getting better, you know, I feel like I'm improving but then I get into a game and somebody just reminds me of like where I'm actually at. And I, I think, or I get to, you know, realize that the gap is, you know, I think, it, I think it's like a small crick in between me and maybe GC one or GC two, but even like to GC two, I'm looking at more like the grand Canyon still it's it's the the difference is much more significant than what i actually want it to be or think it is and so when i actually am standing toe to toe to those kinds of players it gets frustrating for me very quickly yeah but at the same time it's just all that more rewarding when you beat that person with just fundamentals right like i've had so many games especially in ones because i'm like i think i'm low champ one like or i'm sorry high champ one low champ two and ones i haven't played a ones game all season to be honest with you but last season that's where i was at and when you beat somebody that's consistently getting goals by like flip resetting crazy air dribbles you know ceiling shots all that and you can just beat them with fundamentals ground game and flicks how good it feels to be like you can do all of this and you still lost to me and it's typically the player that's super salty like oh you're actually gold what are you doing here and then you're like, hey, you lost to me. So I don't know what yeah. are you doing here. And <laughs> like, so like you can you can always constantly be reminded in Rocket League that somebody is better than something at one particular portion of the game than you, but you can always be better than them at something else too, because there's so many facets of the game that go sure. into it, right? And 
So yeah, like you might be, you might get out mechanics on a play and not be able to make a save or, you know, feels backflip like we all do at some point in our lives and just miss an easy save and it is what it is. But you can always come back and you can show that you can do at least one thing better than somebody else, even at a person two, three right, tiers above your right. And the mechanics and, are one side of it, but I'm, I guess, you know, the mechanics are the things that stick out to me. And I'm thinking more of just the all around player that is mechanical and also just where they need to be when they need to be there. Yeah. I, yeah. But that all comes with time. That all comes with practice. And that all comes with that effective practice that we're talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that focus practice instead of just playing the game and getting games in and having fun. I mean, I think any Rocket League player that will, will tell you aside from toxicity that their time in platinum was the most f fun they had in yeah. the game. Right. There are plenty of people. Yeah. Because nothing exactly. mattered. You were just, you were hanging out. There's everybody down there. Some people are crazy. Some people are terrible. It doesn't matter. You're just out there having a good time, hitting the ball with a car and doing some fun flippies, learning how to fast aerial, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right. Like it's that, that time in rocket league is like, the golden time in my opinion for just about everyone you're like oh this is so great and then i think the ssls would probably say their time in ssl is the best because it's the game how it's meant to be played <laughs> <laughs> but i would almost argue that for anybody else that hasn't hit that peak that like they look back at their time at plat font yeah at least i do yeah and um it's just one of those things where it goes from being from bringing like a fun casual experience to I don't want to say a lifestyle, but it almost is like, because to continue being good at Rocket League, you have to play Rocket League. Yes. There's really no other way around. Yeah. You have to put in hours and you have to be consistent. And if you take, you know, two weeks off and you come back, yeah, you might be good the first couple, the first couple of days because you're refreshed, but then you'll find yourself making, you know, mistakes that you would have never made before because you've been away from the game for a little bit. You haven't really been, it hasn't been in your mind. It hasn't been processing. Right. And so it's just one of those things where it really comes down to it. I think it's it's just so hard to play somebody that you know you're outclassed by and then like look down. And it, it, it's a constant reminder because it's every five minutes, right? You can go from getting stomped to seven wanting somebody and Braziling them in, in the span of 14 minutes because an average Rocket League game with goals and everything else right. is like seven minutes. So like... And that's what I mean by the dopamine loop that Rocket League gives you, because you can go from the lowest to lowest to the highest to the highest in about two seconds if you finally get that flip reset. And I think that's the thing of it is part of me when I get up against somebody that is just outclassing me, I almost want to play another game to raise that self-esteem just a little bit or try and feel a little bit better before I get back to practicing. And I'm already in a place where it's, where I'm feeling, well, pretty, not insignificant, but like I, the gap again is larger than what I thought it was. And so that playing that one extra game doesn't, you know, if I get stomped and then beat somebody or stomp somebody right after that, there's still that very clear memory of the game that shows me how far the path still is. And uh, I think, I think I just get to go back to the drawing board on what it looks like to take the time to work on improving some of these or understanding what consistency looks like in, in better mechanics and really take the time to up my 
expectation level for myself or my or my various skills. And I, I I can honestly say that I'm just not quite sure what that looks like yet. Well, it's something you have to feel yeah. out too, right? Like when, when you're trying to improve and like I laid out my little equation before with the time put in, what do you expect? What are the expected results? Like you're at a point now, like where you're, I champ, you said you're champ too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like what the top 5% of the player base, yeah. the top 7%, something around there. Like, so you're better than 95% of the people that have ever touched the sticks. Like just take a minute and actually focus on that for a second. Oh, and pat for yourself sure. On the back. Because we consistently we consistently watch pros all the time and go like God I'm so bad but like in reality we're not and I think that's a big thing in Rocket League is like really self depreciating because we expect to be perfect and we don't realize how mechanical and how intensive the game actually is mm-hmm. uh, because we mm-hmm. played it for so long and it kind of again goes back into that dopamine loop where you feel down bad and then you hit a flip reset and it's like the best day of your life like if you get a banger flip reset goal and you get to hit F eight even though you lost six to two like. Yeah. You still feel kind of good, right? Like I, you did the thing. Yay. And I don't, but, I wouldn't necessarily it, say, and I think, you know, for those that listen to this podcast on a consistent basis, the folks that are, have joined the booster club, which is what I call my discord, uh, know that, you know, I, I would say that I'm a pretty optimistic person. I am not one to beat myself up or get down on myself or anything anything like that. I think that, I guess I can put it this way, that obviously the people at the highest level of things, and I wouldn't even go to a level of saying professional players in Rocket League, just people that have made it to the level of being SSL. You know, they look, and some of it might just be natural for them, but some of them look at putting in work or look at the, they look at the game differently, right? They look at the game differently than I do. And so it's it's not just about knowing, I know my mechanics aren't as good. I know my decision-making isn't as good. So I get to go down one level deeper and and figure out how they look at the game, how they think about the game, how they practice and how they how they analyze things, how they work on their mechanics that got them there and what the difference in between those tactics and techniques and, and practice sessions and things are different than, than what I'm doing because I, I'm working to get better and I feel like I'm getting better and there's still a big gap in terms of what I'm satisfied with and what it's actually going to take. And so how can I look at the game different? How can I watch the game different? How can I take, you know, watching a squishy YouTube video and put that into my own game or my own practice? How do I, how do I meld those two things together? And I, I, uh, that's where I'm coming up just a little bit short right now, I think. I think for me personally, the thing that made me really want to play the game more was joining a competitive league and kind of getting Mm -hmm. out of that rank cycle. Um, so for me, it was RSC was my outlet, but there's so many great options out there. You have IGL, MLG, you know, I, there's, there's so many leagues out there and there's so many ways for you as a rocket league player to improve and not have to grind mm-hmm. ranked every day. Right. Because if you have a set time where, Hey, I'm going to be scrimming with my team this week, I'm going to be playing a game with my team this week. I need to be there. I need to be on point. It gives you a little bit of that drive of that push that you kind of need to push 
and go forward. And for me, that was it. It was like, I got to the point with RSC, I had played for seven straight seasons before I unfortunately kind of had to cut the cord due to, um, due to schooling this semester. But I got to the point where I didn't even care about my rank anymore. I was, I was playing ranked and I was almost exclusively solo queuing ranked to try to just throw myself in situations that I wouldn't be used to in my, in my matches with my team, who I'm used to, who I play with a lot and all that goes into it. And I would just try to get myself in awkward positions, like not positionally, but just, you know, there's so many different play styles and so many people have the different idea of what perfect rocket league is even among the pros where you have somebody like freaky who really likes to play a throwaway possession game and just play defensively compared to flakes who like values possession, like his Mm -hmm. own child. Right. Like even among the pro community, there's discourse on how the game should be played. So I think the only thing that really worked for me and really wanted me to push and drive and really get myself going back was that feeling of competitiveness again, because I don't feel like ranked is, com- is as competitive as everybody makes it out. To sure. Me, unfortunately. Um, I think that there's some people out there that are just pub stomping. They're having some fun with their friends. They've never tried to level up their account. They just play with their friends, but they might be two ranks above them. But because they play mm-hmm. with their friends, it is, totally. what it is you know, and I, we're not talking about the the smurfing or anything else that goes on like just legitimately that and once you have a team and once you actually have somebody counting on you to make a touch and you can't just go next and forfeit after you know a minute and 30 seconds sure it means a lot more and so for me personally that that was really the thing that drove me and it's not like you have to pay money to enter any of these leagues you just have to have the free time and for for me personally i think that's the best way for a player to improve whether you're gold or whether whether you're i mean gc2 looking to make that push into ssl or gc3 like i think playing on a team that consistently relies on you to make those touches and puts a little bit more pressure on you because you don't have yourself to answer to like you are when you're solo queuing you have the other two teammates that are in comms with you to kind of answer to and why this happened the way it did and try to fix it as a team and that involves practicing your mechanics that involves playing the game together it it really goes into a whole kind of cycle of Mm -hmm. accountability and i think if you just grind rank you don't really have any accountability to anybody except yourself for your rank Uh, whereas if you play competitively with a team uh you kind of have to answer to them too and i think that really is a key development growth for just about anybody and there's plenty of avenues to kind of get that competitive style in Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. i've i've actually been considering that so i'll have to uh research it maybe a little bit more to see if that's a possibility. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of RSC. That's actually where I got my casting start as well. So uh, I will forever vouch for the rocket soccer confederation. It has been a ton of fun playing there. I've met a bunch of great people, uh, a bunch of actually, I mean, honestly, a bunch of friends that I've met that I play other games with now as well. It, it, it's spanned quite a while and I'm, I'm really happy with my experience there for certain. And I know, I know I have friends that have played MLE mm-hmm. and had the same thing. And I have friends that have played, you know, IGL and had the same thing as well. So it's not limited to just one. It's just the one that I have sure. personal experience with. Of course, I'm going to vouch for it on top of giving me my casting start and everything else that kind of led into starting to cast high school rocket league for UGC. And now with the whole Desir and tweet and everything else that popped off, I'm just, I'm still mind blown about the whole situation. I can't believe the community came out like that and full support and just good vibes everywhere. Like getting a retweet from Gibbs might've been my whole life. Did he retweet it too? (laughs) Honestly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He retweeted it, man. I, I, I lost my mind. Like Gibbs, Jorby. Um, I think stacks retweeted it like seven (laughs) times. 
because Stax had actually done a replay, a replay analysis of our casting oh, about wow. two years ago and gave us a whole, basically a document on, hey, this is what you can work on. He's like, this is just super basic stuff. And he's like, I don't expect everybody to go to broadcast school like I did. And uh, these are just some like kind of points that you can work on and you can tell your team as well to improve the quality of broadcast for RSC. And it was the nicest thing that anybody's ever done because it was literally just a Twitter DM. And I was like, hey, man, if you have any time at all, like, do you mind looking over this? I'm just... I love Stax's personal style, and he did a replay analysis of our casting. That's kind of spearheaded our growth, and I can't think that. Man yeah, enough. he's, he's a he's a good dude. I like Stax a lot. Uh, I certainly do as well. That kind of that kind of play by play commentary, like that traditional kind of traditional sports, football, basketball, baseball that he kind of brings into the game is something I certainly appreciate because that was like a dream job for me as I was a kid that uh, unfortunately died by the wayside when I looked at the job prospects after getting a degree in telecommunications and media. So he, uh, and he does it, he does it so well too. Like I, I feel like that is something that can be very easily forced and awkward, but it's just so natural to him that I, uh, I really appreciate it. And at least in rocket league, it's, it's a very, if somebody and. I mean, I've never seen you cast or, or the guy that you cast with. Uh, I feel like that stacks has just almost has a monopoly on that. Like anybody else that comes in with a predominantly strong style like that to me would just be like, oh, come on. I just I just rather watch stacks. But that's also me being a, a very biased uh, person. I mean, we yeah. all have our biases and I kind of feel the same way about you because I, that, or I feel the same way as you because he's yeah. so good at what he does. Like, it's, I'm not going to sit here and say I compare to him. Like our style is similar because my, my background of uh, and analyzing like casting is from mm-hmm. professional sports and like ESPN desk and everything that I would watch growing up. So, but it's just like in rocket league where people have different perspectives on play styles. People have different perspectives on just the casting totally. of the game too. And it's, it's, it's really funny to see some communities get up in arms about certain styles of casting. Like it's okay that some styles aren't for you, but like some people are so self-centered and you see it in rocket league all the time too. When you have the one player in twos that only goes for solo plays just to kind of tie mm-hmm. this back into everything, right? Like some people are extremely self-centered and think that everything is catered just to them when you have a perfectly viable option to the side that may not be your taste, but mm-hmm. other people enjoy mm-hmm. it as well. Uh, just like a, just like a solid passing play in twos when you're in a two V one, honestly, guys, please take advantage of your two V ones. Look for the other man. Just if you take anything out of it, look for the other man in twos. If they're ready for you, they're beside you and you have a two V one. It's infinitely harder to defend two angles in one. Definitely. To yes. tie that all back well, into a loop and, I, and back into Rocket League gameplay because that was I was, that was a strong. I was going there, to say we we started with casting, we're kind of ending with casting, and I we've been going for a while. So, Vision, if you have any final thoughts besides actually passing in twos, now is your opportunity. Um, well, so I have to plug the co-caster. Uh, my co-caster tripping is the reason where I am right now. A really funny story about how we just randomly ended up casting together and it worked out. But at the end of the day, just remember to take everything in Rocket League one step at a time. Don't try to focus on too much, especially if you're trying to improve and try to put your ranks to the side. And then other than that, just shout out Daz because and the Rocket League community as a whole, because I am still awestruck with 
it only took 23 hours to get a thousand likes. And I have at the time, I think I had 170 Twitter, uh, Twitter followers. So it was like almost six times my follow base and likes within a day. So I just want to give a shout out to everyone here and you as well, Tom, you've been great inviting me out here just to have a discussion with you. I love talking rocket league. Obviously it's something I wouldn't mind doing for Mm -hmm. a living. (laughs) So all jokes aside, I want to thank you as well. And just the rocket league community as a whole, keep being awesome. And uh, don't let news like come out that came out the other day. Don't let that get you down. There's a, there's much more positive in this community than negative unless you're in plat. And I'm sorry for that. (laughs) Way to just take all that good stuff and throw it in the garbage. Oh, all good jokes, Tom. It's been, it's been a pleasure, man. And um, yeah, so we should be, it's not officially announced, but you can catch me and Trippin obviously on the wave dash tournament that Desiren is going to be having uh, starting the 8th of uh, the 8th of uh, September, all the way to the 12th. So I don't know exactly when we'll be casting, um, but keep an eye out on that and then keep an eye out on UGC because we will be casting more of their high school battle academy series so we will be doing a lot more of that as well so some excited some up and coming high school players and uh we have a bunch of ssls in those ranks as well so you'll see some high level rocket league it's not like you're going to be watching diamond threes try to be good at rocket league it's actually very exciting gameplay so shout out ugc for kind of giving us a platform to start off with and shout out daz i just so much love for that man right now and where can people find you out on the internet so because I'm old, I didn't have the foresight to get my gamer tag on all my socials. So you can find me at twitch.tv slash XXVisionary1XX, like it's a 2004 Xbox gamer tag. Uh, we do a lot of variety streams. Uh, we just kind of kick back with Jackbox with community on Fridays. You can find me on Twitter on at the OG Boosh. That's B-O-O-S-H. You can find me there. And other than that, um, I mean, that's pretty much it. I just have twitter uh, twitter and twitch and that's kind of what we rock out with perfect and a question for the audience uh i would honestly love to hear a some of y'all's feedback i'm going to be joining the discord uh obviously for the uh i'm sorry what was the name of it again i'm joining the booster club so you'll see me in there um, this is my first podcast that I've actually done. So if you have any feedback for me or anything that you disagreed with, I'd love to hear that as well. But the first thing, the thing I want to hear from the audience is what made you fall in love with Rocket League? Because I described it here. I know I know Tom here had a lot of thoughts on it as well. And I just wanted to go ahead and I want to hear you guys. So I'm going to join the Booster Club. I want to hang out. I want to hear the reason that you guys fell in love with Rocket League. And if it's around the same lines of what made me fall in love with it. Nice. Cool. Well, be sure to let him know in the Discord. He'll be there. Thanks for joining. I'm sure everybody, we've been getting more and more answers, so that's great. I'm sure people would love to have a chat with you about it. And uh, thanks for the quick turnaround uh, on on getting together for this. So I have something to put out this week, and I will look forward to seeing you guys in the tournament and seeing how that goes. I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Yeah, the hype is immeasurable, to be honest with you. Finally get a shot. We've ta- we've casted some other pros in the collegiate scene, but to do this is just a dream come true. So I'm ex- I'm super excited well, for the opportunity. It, I've, I've said this many times on the podcast before. It, you know, sometimes all you got to do is, is shoot your shot and good things come out of it. Awesome. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I will look forward, um, make sure, shoot me 
an exact date of when that's happening so I can make sure to put that in the show notes and make sure that everybody in the in the discord is looking out for that as well so we can show you guys some love um i will very much look forward to that and as always vision thank you for the boost 